Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode number 283 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are checking me out live right now. As always, I remind you, please make sure you subscribe. Please make sure you click that notification bell so you never miss a live version of the show. If you can't watch us Monday, that's all right. The audio podcast version comes out the following day, every Tuesday on podcast platforms around the world. Just look for Montero Unboxing, The Neutral Corner, and boom, you will find me on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Just make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you uh, leave a rating, a review, all that good stuff. It helps me out tremendously. All right, guys, this is TNC 283 for the week of October 2nd. We are almost in the fourth quarter. Man, this year is flying by. Holy hell. Once you hit the fourth quarter and the holidays come, it's all downhill, man. I feel like uh, this this year, the last uh, few months of this year is going to fly right by. And we've got some things to look forward to in the fourth quarter. After a really dry summer of boxing in 2021, uh, we've got a great fourth quarter lined up. And last Saturday's event in London uh, really, really kind of set things off. And I think it was such a positive um, experience and event that boxing really needed. And I know that there was a robbery on the undercard and there was some craziness. I get that. But in the main event, and we'll talk about all that, okay? But in the main event, I think it was what, 66,000 people were there in the arena. Uh, You had a great, great fight. I, I thought, you know, it was amazing to me to see some American fight fans say, oh, this is boring. Really? I didn't find that boring at all. I mean, you don't have to have rock'em, sock'em robots all the time. Uh, I thought that that was a really good technical, tactical mismatch with some ebb and flow. But the winner was never in doubt, and something historic took place. So I know you guys are going to have opinions. Phone lines will be open. Uh, For those of you calling in right now, give me about 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes to talk about some of this stuff and then get in on the phones, okay? Uh, And we're going to have to keep the phone calls shorter tonight because I know a lot of you are going to want to call in. So real quick, let's jump to uh, news and notes. There's not a whole lot of stuff to talk about, but um, there's some breaking news. Okay. So uh, Jaime Munguia and Gabriel Rosado, that is official for November 13th. Now that's a fight that I really, really like. I enjoy, you know, both of those fighters when they fight, they're exciting. And Rosado's given us some great, great drama. And he's one of those guys that fights everybody. It's hard not to be a fan of Gabe Rosado. But Jaime Munguia, I want to see him fight one of the top elite level fighters at 160 pounds. That's where he's supposed to be campaigning. Now, Rosado's last fight was at 168. Now, I don't know what weight this fight, I'm not sure yet. I just was taking place November 13th. I would assume somewhere in Southern California, but that has not been confirmed either. But um, I like this fight in terms of styles. And Rosado is is always going to give a, a tough fight to anybody. So he has a real chance in this fight. But particularly if it's at 160, I do think that favors Munguia. Because as I said, Rosado is an older guy. Last fight was at 68. He's going to have to uh, cut back down in weight. That will affect his performance. But man, Munguia... When he was at 154, there were a lot of people going nuts over this guy and calling him the second coming of Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. And I was one of the very, very few and one of the very, very first to say everyone needs to pump the freaking brakes. Slow down. This guy hasn't fought anybody yet, and I see massive flaws in his game defensively. And some of that stuff has come to light since then. 
he never fought an elite level guy at junior middleweight. He hasn't fought an elite level guy so far at middleweight until he does that. Now he has shown improvement. He has. Okay. And, and by the way, I'm a fan of the guy. I'm a fan of the kid. He's at the lower part of the top 10 right now at 160. I just want to see him fight a top guy at 160. And I don't know if Gabe Rosado is that guy right now. He's coming off a great, fantastic upset win, but that was in a different division and it was against a prospect. So I like this fight in terms of styles, but I really want to see if Mugia is successful against Rosado. This is a good step up against a veteran guy. I like the fight in that sense. But if he wins next year, man, I want to see Mugia step up and fight one of the top guys. Challenge for a title at 160. It is time. Also, uh, Joseph Diaz Jr. and Ryan Garcia, according to Oscar De La Hoya, Golden Boy Promotions, they will fight at some point in the fourth quarter in Los Angeles. I like that fight a lot. Is it the fight we want to see? Is it Ryan Garcia against Devin Haney or one of those guys? No, but Joseph Diaz Jr. will be a very, very good step-up opponent for Ryan Garcia. And um, in that sense, I do like that matchup. So with both of these upcoming fights, um, again, I like the style matchup. I think they'll be very, very good fights, especially if they are in the Southern California, Los Angeles area. I think they'll do good, passionate crowds. But not exactly the fights we want, okay? But pretty damn good consolation prizes. So that's pretty much it with news and notes at this point, guys. Um, not a whole lot on the news front, but we do have some stuff to look forward to in the fourth quarter, obviously. Uh, Super Chat Pledge from Feeling Dangerous 113. He says, I don't know about you, but I am very feel. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. I, I think we're all very feel. And look, um, I'm very feel not just for Alexander Usyk's performance, but I'm also very feel for Anthony Joshua. He was part of this equation, a big part of the equation, and he didn't have to take that fight. All right, so let's um, let's jump right into uh, the fight, Ryu, okay? Um, real quick on the undercard. Real quick, let's talk about this. Campbell Haddon gets a points win. I can't say unanimous decision because only one person scored the fight. It was referee Marcus McDonnell. But uh, a points win for Campbell Haddon over Sonny Martinez. And pretty much everybody that saw this fight agrees that Martinez won. It was hard to give a round to Hatton, let alone three of them. So Marcus McDonald had the score 58-57. I'm not exactly sure how the hell he got to that score. Um, maybe that's one round even, or I, I'm not sure how he got there. But 58-57. Campbell Hatton is now 4-0. and You see, he had to face a fighter with a winning record. And he's lost rounds against these guys. And arguably, I don't even know if it's arguable, lost this damn fight. This was home cooking all the way. Several UK boxing experts and fighters and pundits have talked about this since. Get Campbell Haddon off these big cards. I know you're trying to make him this big attraction because of who his father was. It's unfair to the kid. Take him and put him on some undercards and let him build up his career. He didn't have this long, extensive amateur career. Get him on some undercards and some four-rounders buried way, way down on the show. Um, Get him in venues where there's a thousand people there. Have him fight there and build up his record. This is an example, or this is a case where I have no problem with Hatton and his his, his uh, management milking it. And uh, maybe his first 20 fights could be against journeyman level opposition. As long as he's fighting five, six, seven times a year, I got no problem with it. 
get this kid some fights and build him up. He might take an L or two along the way, but maybe he has something and he can learn along the way. We will find out. Uh, Callum Smith, his first fight at light heavyweight, and boy, did he look good at that weight. I got to give it to him, you know. Um, I, I do think he was overrated at 168, but maybe I'm wrong about him. I don't know. But this is just one fight against Lennon Castillo, a guy who's been in there with some top light heavyweights, always gone rounds, never been stopped. I don't even think he's been dropped. So he's he's always had a pretty sturdy chin and giving fighters a good quality competitive rounds. And Smith just blasted him out of there. Really, really lined up a beautiful, beautiful straight right hand. And <clears throat> I love the way Smith did it because he's a tall, long guy. Did it with the jab, but he threw the jab from different angles. And he kind of threw a left jab toward the top of Castillo's head. It dipped down a little bit where it looked like he might jab down to the chest. And right at the last second, shot the right hand straight. So it kind of came underneath the last jab thrown. It was a beautiful little alley that he found to shoot that right hand through. And it landed perfectly flush on um, on Castillo, dropped him. It's a scary knockout. By the way, uh, Castillo went to the hospital. Everything was checked out. He had imaging done. He's good to go. It was a scary knockout, but he's perfectly safe. So hopefully he gets some rest and um, he can be back in the ring. Um I don't even know if he needs to be back in the ring by the end of the year, but maybe early next year. How about that? All right. Uh, in the co-main, Lawrence O'Coley, KO3 win over previously undefeated Montenegrin fighter Dylan Prasovic. Uh, this was completely one-sided. Prasovic had no business being in the ring with O'Coley fighting for a world title. It is what it is, though. Uh, for O'Coley, this was the first defense of his WBO Cruiserweight title. This, this knockout came with a body shot. Uh, good performance, solid performance, not necessarily the best opponent in there, but O'Coley has improved vastly. So credit to him, all credit to him. Uh, him and his team have worked very, very hard. I talked about this last week when I previewed Joshua Usyk. O'Coley's reach, this dude is 6'5", a legit 6'5", too. They're not adding two inches like they do with most of these fighters. He's a legit 6'5", and his reach is freakish for cruiserweight. His reach, I, I believe, is as long as Anthony Joshua's and certainly uh, longer than Alexander Usyk. So this guy has the frame to eventually go up to heavyweight. He's never going to be a big power-punching heavyweight, but who knows what he could do with that reach, man. If he can really, really develop that jab and keep his punches straight, who knows? But let's see him against the top cruiserweights in the world. I'd love to see him against Marius Bredis. I'd love to see that. And if O'Coley could be victorious against Bradis and become the legitimate cruiserweight champion, that's a hell of an accomplishment because just a few years ago, people were shitting all over this kid and saying there was nothing there. And now look at him. Uh, he's a legit title holder, good first defense for him, and he's clearly visibly improved. So him and his team deserve tremendous credit for that. All right, uh, let's see. Just quick look at the comments. Man, it's a bunch of you guys on. Make sure that you're clicking that thumbs up. All right, make sure that you're thumbs up in the video. And um, yeah, a couple of you guys in the chat saying, oh, Coley ain't beating Bredis. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying he does. I'm just saying I want to see that fight. They got to fight the fights, right? By the way, guys, up in the upper left-hand corner of the screen that you're looking at right now, there is a Venmo symbol, Venmo link. I don't know what the hell you call it. But if you want to tip the show, Feel free to, uh, all you got to do is scan that in your camera on your phone and boom, you can tip the show. You can leave whatever you want. I don't care if it's 50 cents. If you're enjoying the show, 
boom, just do it right there in Venmo. If you do it on Venmo, then none of the corporate executive type people get any of that money. It goes straight to MOB. Also, if you want to order an MOB t-shirt, we still have some. All right, same thing. Scan that Venmo and then uh, let me know where you live, uh, your address, what size, how many you need, how many, uh, what colors, what size, and how many you need. And we'll go from there. All right, it's 25 for one, 40 bucks for two of them. Uh, a couple of you guys from Australia have asked, man, I have checked into shipping to Australia and I don't know what's going on with your government right now, but they want like $100 to ship a t-shirt over there. So right now, Australia, sorry guys, because we got a bunch of orders from Australia. We have a great following over there. I'm really, really sorry, but we can't ship out the shirts right now because I know you guys don't want to pay a hundred bucks for shipping. So uh, maybe once the COVID stuff calms down and everything and your government gets it together, we could start shipping there. So we'll, we'll check back in another month or two. All right. Everywhere else in the world right now seems to be pretty good. We've, we've sent some international, haven't had any, any issues, but Australia, man, when I went to the post office, they're talking about a hundred dollars. I'm like, what, what's going on? So um, yeah, there's that. All right. So let's get to the main event and okay. Time for me to eat crow, right? Because I sat here last week and I told you guys that size matters right? And that Anthony Joshua, not only does size matter, but location matters. A side, B side matters. Promotion matters, right? Home team versus visitor, establishment versus outsider. All those things matter. Maybe I skull fucked myself a little bit too much with some of that. Now, I did pick Anthony Joshua to win by decision. I did say it would be competitive. I bet the over, right? The over-under was nine and a half rounds. I said, bet the over. I felt it would go to decision. That was my official prediction. I said it wouldn't surprise me if Joshua stopped Usyk late. I also said it wouldn't surprise me if Usyk won this fight, okay? So I wasn't shocked at the result, but size did matter in this fight. It did, and I'll tell you how it mattered. If Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua were the same size, Usyk would have knocked Anthony Joshua out in about six or seven rounds in this fight. That's the truth. Joshua's size stopped him from being stopped in this particular fight. Now, when these two rematch, I didn't say if, I said when these two rematch early next year in London, it will be in London. Um, I don't know. Perhaps we could see a stoppage from Usyk. Perhaps he could do a little bit more because he seemed to find another gear in the second half of this fight. The first half of this fight, I thought was almost even. You could argue through six rounds, this was maybe an even fight. But in the second half, Usyk found another gear. And I thought he swept the championship rounds. He had Joshua buzzed in the closing seconds of the fight. So he found something there. And perhaps he can start the rematch the way he finished this first fight. But size did matter. Because all things being equal, if these guys were the same size, I think Usyk would have stopped Joshua. Am I crazy for thinking that? Let me know. But um, again, it bears repeating. Joshua, 6'6", 82-inch reach, came into this fight 240. Usyk, 6'3", 78-inch reach, came into this fight 221. This was his heaviest for Joshua. He'd come in right around 240, uh, low 240s for several recent fights. Uh, maybe Joshua came in a little bit too light. In terms of game plan, I don't know if I like this game plan. Uh, from McCracken and Joshua's corner because it seemed to me that they were content to stand in the center of the ring and try to box with Usyk, who, in a pound-for-pound -pound sense, is a better boxer. 
So either they were arrogant and ignorant and thought that they were the better boxer, or perhaps they underrated Usyk's boxing ability. I'm not sure, but I will say this. There are some American fans and unfortunately some American media members shitting all over Anthony Joshua right now and saying that he was terrible. He looked awful. I didn't see that. I thought Joshua looked fairly good. I just thought Usyk looked great. So I just, I don't understand people immediately shitting all over Anthony Joshua. And and I should state this as well. Usyk was the WBO mandatory. Anthony Joshua is the biggest star in the sport outside of North America. He is the biggest star in this sport. He did not need to fight Usyk, okay? He could have vacated that WBO belt and fought anybody else and done 50,000 plus fans in a venue. How do I, why do I say this? Because he's done it before. Anthony Joshua has fought guys like Carlos Takam and sold the place out, okay? He doesn't need a big B side to his A side. And Alexander Usyk isn't a big name, okay? So they could have dumped the title and went somewhere else. And I will point to a situation in 2015 when Canelo Alvarez beat Miguel Cotto and paid the WBC the sanctioning fees because he wanted to fight for that WBC title, right? Even though it was at Canelo weight. Technically, he was at in the middleweight division. He wins that title, and immediately the WBC says, well, you inherited the mandatory Gennady Golovkin. You got to fight him next. And Canelo got butt hurt and said, I don't want to fight him next, and threw the belt in the trash and didn't talk to Mauricio Suleiman for like a year or so. That's why ever since, Mauricio has gone to great lengths to reestablish and keep that good relationship with Canelo Alvarez. Uh, so there was a situation where Canelo didn't need Gennady, not at that time. And he said, hell no, I'm going a different direction. And look at the guys Canelo fought at that time. Between Cotto and Golovkin, look at the guys Canelo fought. None of them were anywhere near the level of Golovkin, right? Those were business moves. Joshua could have done the same thing here. I'm not saying I would have liked it, but I would have understood it from a business perspective because we've seen this sort of thing time and time again in the sport. But that's not what he did. He fought Alexander Usyk when he really didn't need to. But there are people in the American boxing media, which is really disgusting to me, and then, of course, boxing fans. But By the way, boxing Twitter, don't ever change. Don't ever change. You're so predictable. I love it. Beating the shit out of Anthony Joshua today to diminish Alexander Usyk's accomplishment. I do not understand that. I thought Joshua, he didn't fight great, but he fought good. He fought well. I just thought Usyk fought outstanding. And in terms of this performance, this was historic level stuff. And I talked about this on Twitter. By the way, if you haven't seen yet, go to my Twitter account. Go to my pinned tweet. I did a thread this morning on why Alexander Usyk is already the best cruiserweight of all time. Now, I'm not. that doesn't necessarily mean I feel he would beat every and all fighters who have fought at cruiserweight at least once in their pro career. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is he is the most accomplished, the best cruiserweight ever based on what he did in that division. And I broke it all down. It's about 10 tweets, the thread. I can't remember the exact number. It might be seven or eight, whatever. Go there and look at it. And I make a head-to-head comparison between Usyk and Evander Holyfield because those are the top two cruiserweights ever, correct? I think that's pretty much... Everyone pretty much agrees with that. That's a universal belief. It's which one you prefer. But I lay out the reasons why it's Usyk. And I mentioned that today 
Because in context of what happened Saturday, it's more relevant than ever. Because in just his third fight at heavyweight, not his seventh like it took for Evander Holyfield, his third fight at heavyweight, he has consolidated three of the four titles and beat the face of the division, the second biggest star in the sport today. And he did it in his backyard, and he did it in definitive fashion. There was no controversy here. None. This was historic. Nobody has done this. And by the way, he's done this in less than 20 pro fights. Look at Tyson Fury's first 20 fights. Look at Deontay Wilder's first 20 fights. And get back to me when you want to talk about who's got the best resume right now. Anthony Joshua has defeated more top 10 heavyweight opponents than Fury and Wilder combined. And Usyk just went to his backyard and defeated him decisively in his third fight in the division. Historic. This has never happened. Never. And for some reason, some people are choosing to look the other way. For political reasons, nationalistic reasons, I don't know what it is, but it's sad. It's really, really sad because you're seeing something right now that's special. All right. More about this later on. But right now, I'm going to bring a guy on the show. And before you guys groan, listen, when I make a promise, I keep it. Now, for weeks, Jack Alter has been telling me that Alexander Usyk was going to beat Anthony Joshua. Now, to be fair, he predicted the knockout. That did not happen, but it almost did in the closing seconds. It almost did. Maybe if you got those extra five, six seconds, something could have happened. But he called it, and he called it before any, anybody else because a few of you did call it, and I know you're going to call in. Several of you guys called Usyk win, but Jack did it first. So let's bring Jack on the show right here because he needs to tell me that I suck and that I'm horrible at predictions and I'm a terrible human being and I have to eat crow. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, oh, what's up, everyone? I like that T-shirt, man. Yeah, hey, if you guys haven't got a Montero Unboxing t-shirt, get it. They're actually, like, really fucking good. But, oh, shit, I got the sun in my face. So, uh, yeah, if you guys didn't know, I, I got to plug the channel in because, come on, Mike, you, you knew I called this. Yeah, you called it. I want to uh, say you called it, like, a month ago. Like, three months ago. No, yeah, I said yeah. it before when the fight was announced. No, yeah. I said it before it in June. I said if he fights Anthony Joshua – Joshua's going to try to box with him and he's going to lose. Joshua's going to lose just because he's going to try to box with him. So, I mean, dude, no, you're always right with your predictions, but I think one of the reasons why you said you said size matters so much is because you are around the same weight as Usyk. And you were saying before a couple times about like how you used to spar guys that were way bigger than you and you used to say how tough it was. I was thinking to myself, that probably has something like, in him that makes him like not conscious yeah i mean like not a it makes you think differently you know what i mean because you're around the same size and you're saying how big the move to cruiserweight and heavyweight is but i was saying to everyone Derek chisora people say the Derek chisora fight is what because do you rate Derek chisora i mean i think he's at this version is very good i think he's very good I think he's underrated. I think that he's not in the top 10 right now, but on any given night, if he's motivated, he can give any fighter in the, in the division hell. I really think that. Yes. No. Yeah, absolutely. And some people say he did better than Anthony Joshua. I don't know about that. And I don't, I don't, nah, think I don't so. know about that. No. Yeah. But, um, and dude, I did say a knockout, but 
um, dude, they called it eight seconds early. They did. Yeah, it was a few seconds early, and and I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the zone's clock was off or what, because no one's really addressed it. But um, yeah, I mean that's unfortunate. But hey, man, the judges got it right. And Jack, one of the main reasons I picked Joshua, and I talked about this last week. Yes, the size factor, of course, but this was in London. Uh, Anthony Joshua is matchroom boxing. He is matchroom boxing, and I thought that he was going to get the benefit of the doubt. I literally, this was, everyone's going to laugh because you make triple G references a lot. I'll make the triple G reference. This was the first Canelo triple G fight, but the judges called it the right way. That's what this was. Dude, it was so great. This is fantastic for boxing. I said to my dad, I said to my dad, like right after I was like, there was no shitty scorecards that, the right guy got the decision dude i was yeah. so i was like this is amazing dude, we needed was, this we did need we this. needed and this there was a no lot. Bullsh- there was no bullshit at all and a perfect decision perfect scorecards my dad was right next to me watching it like and he would just <laughs> like started clapping and shit i was like you don't see that and yeah dude, you gotta feel great for Usyk because all these other Eastern European fighters have been screwed over, like uh, Kovalev, first fight against Andre Ward, Gennady Golovkin, first fight against Canelo, and the second fight. Uh, uh, what's his face? Um, there's a bunch of other guys I could list off. They've yeah. been screwed over by the boxing system. And Usyk, you know, the Bradis fight was in Bradis' backyard, and I'm mm-hmm. surprised he got that decision because it was in Bradis' backyard, but Dude, it's perfect. His career is just perfect. Look at it all through. Like what you said, uh, I'm going to read your tweet out loud real quick, if that's cool, because I was just on Twitter. Uh, so what Michael said was, um, get your pinned tweet. So I just got to type in Montero Unboxing. So Michael said, uh, this is why Usyk is the greatest cruiserweight of all time, not Holyfield, Thread. Oh, wait, no, that's not the one I wanted. The one I wanted was where you saying, like, all of them were in his backyard. And, like, somewhere how- down there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait one second. Because it was Poland. Uh, he fought Hunter in the USA. He fought Huck in Germany. Glovakia was in Poland. Brandis was in Latvia. And then Belly was in the UK. I mean, that run right there is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, d- dude, it's just perfect. I feel really good for Usyk. You got to feel. And, you know, he's 34 years old. He's 34. And, you know, Lomachenko, for example, he kind of got screwed over. Well, he did get screwed over, like, against uh, Salido, like the 15-pound weight advantage and stuff. You know, it's just really nice to see. I was – I just said to myself afterwards, I was like, I feel I feel really good right now because no bullshit happened tonight. There wasn't even a bad scorecard. Like, honestly, there wasn't even a bad scorecard. Yeah. They were all perfect. And everyone was saying, like, after the Campbell-Hatton, like, bullshit robbery – that uh they're like oh there's no fucking way Usyk can win a decision that's what yeah, everyone then, thought dude, right? everyone was everyone yeah. was saying that twitter was just oh man we're gonna he's gonna get fucked i mean you just you started seeing those tweets on twitter as soon as that campbell had decision came out right yeah and i was saying to myself as soon as the judges said like as soon as uh i think it was uh jimmy lennon jr who was announcing it he started reading off and i i was like it's a unanimous decision and i was like Okay, they have to give it to Usyk. If it's mm. going to be a, if it's if they're going to give it to Joshua, they can't pull any unanimous decision bullshit because everyone mm. knows what happened. So I was saying to myself, dude, Usyk won. It's just a really great feeling. I mean, I don't really care that I actually predicted it right. And let me tell you something, Mike. 
Jaime Munguia is going to lose to Gamer Rosado. And I can that. see that. Log that. Uh, but, dude, I'm just, I just feel really great for him. Like, he's a great guy. And Joshua is a great human being, too. Like, mm-hmm. extremely classy post-fight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. dude. Dude, screw all those assholes who are just like, uh, he's like, oh, you, uh, right, you're a twat. You're a t-. He's like, right, you twat, you classist twat. I mean, dude, 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 fuck all those guys. It's it, just like. Listen, man, there was no suit excuse. There was no dent in the forehead, no autopsy report. None of that shit that we got for a year and a half. No divisive, nasty bullshit from a bunch of guys on YouTube. And, you know, still people are dissing Joshua. I, you know, like I, you've, I'm sure you've seen the tweets too. I don't understand it, man. He's one of the good guys in boxing. Um, and I just, this was a great event. And both these guys acted with class. They're going to fight again. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually interested in the rematch. Would I rather see Usyk versus the Fury Wilder winner? Yeah. But we're not going to get that next. There's a rematch. And this fight, to me, was good enough and competitive enough because Joshua did have moments. I'm, did. I'm cool with seeing the rematch. Dude, uh, I just want to say a few things because I know you got a long show. There's going to be a shit ton of callers like saying, yeah. fuck that Jack guy or something like that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I want to say a few things about the upcoming fights. Oh, dude, I actually thought I was saying to people, you might want to bet on a draw because uh, yeah. what's the name? What's the name of Usyk's promoter? Really funny guy, really cool guy. Do you, do you remember the you know, Igus Clemus? Like, is his no, manager? no, the other guy, like the, the kind of chubby guy. Oh, yeah, I can't, I, I know who you're talking about, but I can't. He, I can't he kept saying, he kept saying, like, see you guys in the rematch. And Eddie yes. Hearn said, Eddie Hearn said, the uh, post fight presser, he was just like, uh, uh, Anthony Joshua has shown tremendous heart fighting all the top guys, like in all gender Usyk. Then he was like, twice. And so, there's going to be a rematch, there's no question about that. But I was worried because I was like, Oh shit! Are they gonna like have it set up to be a dr- Alex Krasniuk? I, I I butchered oh, that. I fucking butchered that. Hey. But um, you know. And then I wanted to say my predictions for. Uh, I definitely think Fury will beat Wilder. Wilder can win, but I I don't think it's likely. And uh, I think Fury Usyk is a good fight, but I probably favor Tyson Fury simply because of his size. And, you know, size, and I was saying how size wouldn't matter between Joshua and Usyk because uh, Joshua would try to box. He mm. wouldn't try to use his size. Jo- and you know what? I was, when I was, I was looking at a little bit of Joshua's fights when I was like, uh, like two days before the fight and I was talking to you about it. I watched his fight with Joseph Parker, Anthony Joshua's. Dude, he was really good before the Andy Reid fight. He was destroying dudes. And he looked like, I, I remembered him as like this technical this technical robot, just one, two, he was really good. I was saying to myself, holy shit, he's like, he was beating Parker up, like, badly. He's a great boxer. And I was saying, do I want to, like, take this back? But I was like, no, because he he doesn't know how to fight like Derek Chisora did against Usyk. I mean, have you seen it? Like, oh, for yeah. Sure? Yeah. yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know how to bully fight. Has he ever done that in his career? Like, he tried in the no. fight. He completely went the opposite way. He started, some people say running, but he was boxing. Yeah. Uh, you know, he just doesn't know how to do that. And Tyson Fury and Usyk, I think the size will be big because Anthony Joshua is like three inches shorter than that'll, that'll be a six inch difference between Usyk yeah. and so that'll be very big. And by the way, guys, I met Mike in person and I got a few pictures. 
and everyone was saying how short I was. They were like, damn, Jack, you're a fucking midget. And I was like, no, dude, I'm 5'10". Michael's just like 6'5". 6'4", 6'4". But I had yeah. I had shoes on, you know, because that's when I was calling the fight. So I had, you know, like those shoes add like an inch or two. So I was, yeah. I was probably 6'6 six, six with them shoes on. But um, yeah, people, people are always surprised at how tall I am because everyone lies about their height, especially guys. Guys lie about their height all the time, but I don't, you know, I'm girls a legit do, six four. They, yeah, girls do, but they try to make it shorter than they are. Yeah. Like there's a girl I knew who said she was five foot eight and she was like two inches taller than me and she was six foot tall. <laughs> so that's tough, like, bro. That's I feel yeah. bad for six foot tall chicks. That's that's tough. Yeah, you got to. And I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. Uh but dude, uh we got so many great fights. Dude, this you know, we're saying the entire year like how shit the year was, because it was a shit year. There wasn't a lot of you were saying to Al Bernstein, because Al Bernstein tweeted, he was just like Wait, did you tweet him or did he tweet no, you? No, he responded. How- he responded to my tweet, and every day, me and Al talk a little bit here and there on Twitter. But he responded to my tweet saying, "This is one of the best years ever." And I'm <laughs> like, "Al, come on, Al, like, come on." He's That's just funny. you know trying too hard, man. I like Al, but damn, dude, no, this is one of the best years ever. Come on now. No, but dude, this this last quarter, it this really, last quarter is gonna be good. It's it's dude, it's saving the year. Dude, that's that's and, that's what I was saying in the tweet, and he disagreed with me, but I was right. <laughs> well, I was right. What are you gonna do? But uh, yeah, it was great to be on, Mike. If you guys don't know, I have a YouTube channel. I do uh, kind of more like analysis videos. If you like Mike's channel, you will like mine. Uh, uh, I do videos on like Triple G's resume uh, on Usyk, as you mentioned. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is my, this is Mike's show. I'm not gonna. This, this is Mike's show, so I'm not going to, you know, promote myself so much. I just want to say. No, right, get in your uh, plug, man, because you yeah. called it. So I made a promise. I keep my promises. But, yeah, I got to get going because we got calls and everything else. So MOB, baby. Yes, sir. That All is right, a handsome Mike, take shirt. It easy, brother. All hey, right, man. Have a good one. Peace. You too. All right. So I saw a couple of you guys saying you can't see the number. That's because we had the split screen going. But you can see the numbers behind me right now to call in. There's the toll-free USA number, boom, and here's the toll-free UK number, boom. All right, um, so we're going to get to a couple calls real quick. I just want to make a couple more points, okay? Um, Punch numbers, and I know you don't score fights with punch numbers. Everyone calm down. Don't yell at me, but I think it's worth mentioning because they do give indications about some things, okay? Uh, Usyk landed 148 total punches. Uh, Joshua 123. They both landed 52 jabs, which is interesting. I actually expected Joshua to jab much more than he did. I I, I really truly did because he was the taller guy. Um, I, I think he did throw a lot of jabs, but he just didn't land them, man. Um, I'm looking here. Yeah, actually, here. You know what? Let me share my screen, guys. That'll be easier to do. Um, so you can see what I'm talking about instead of me just reading this shit off. Hang on one second here. Let me pull this up. Uh, where is the copy box right here? Can you guys see this? Okay. So if you look, all right. Um, Joshua did throw over a hundred more jabs. He just didn't land them. Uh, which tells you how elusive Usyk was. I think he, he really doesn't get credit for his defense. You can touch Usyk. You can, but you also got to factor in the fact that he's fighting taller, longer guys. Um, but the fact that Joshua threw 427 jabs, I thought that was the right thing to do, but he only landed 52 of a man. So Usyk was more accurate. Also, what stuck, stood out to me here is that Usyk landed 28 body punches. Joshua only 15. Now, 
on the surface, you would expect a smaller guy maybe to go to the body more because there's a bigger target for him, right? So a lot of times when you're you're a bigger, uh, smaller guy, you're fighting a bigger guy, there's a target down there at the body. So you just touch him down there. I get that. But also, if you are a power puncher and you're punching a guy who's a mover, you should be going to the body. That's how you slow a mover down. And I just didn't see Joshua do it enough. Um, you know, I thought he could have jabbed to the body more. And I get it. Doing it against a southpaw is dangerous because your head is getting on the line for his power. Do it a couple times from the right angle and the right distance early on. And then you could start fainting that going upstairs. And then you can maybe even start throwing some right hands to the body and get your head off the line the opposite way. Uh, but Joshua just didn't do that. Um, let's see other statistics that stand out to me. Uh, Usyk was more accurate in every punch category, you know, and that was a factor. So even though the punch numbers, it wasn't like this really wide gap. Okay. Usyk did land more power punches, more uh, body punches, but not significantly more, but he was more accurate and he landed the crisper head snapping type of punches that got the crowd's attention that got the judge's attention. And that was the difference in the fight. A couple of stats here that CompuBox highlighted. In all of their tracking of Anthony Joshua fights, uh, Usyk landed 148 total punches. That is the most by any Joshua opponent. And he closed the show by landing 29 punches in round 12. That is the most by any Joshua opponent. So in the 12th round, Usyk puts his stamp on it and, and clearly, clearly dominates that round. You could make an argument. It was a borderline 10-8 round. He landed 29 punches to Joshua's nine. Here's the fascinating part about that round. Joshua threw more punches. Joshua threw 75 punches, landed nine. Usyk landed, or I'm sorry, threw 68 punches. So he threw fewer, but he landed 29, including several power punches that visibly wobbled Joshua and had him reeling in the closing seconds of that fight. That is how you put a stamp on your performance. That is how you close the show. How many times have we seen fights, guys, where the, the scorecards are controversial, close fight, and the guy who ends up losing kind of phoned it in in the championship rounds, right? I thought Usyk's best three rounds of the fight were 10, 11, and definitely 12. That is how it is done, ladies and gentlemen. He was not going to be denied on this night. Uh, so I wanted to get those punch numbers out there. And real quick, the, the comparison between Holyfield and Usyk. I'm not going to go into this super long. Go to my thread on Twitter, my pinned tweet. But for those of you just getting on and a bunch of you just joined the live show, I'm going to read through this super duper quick, okay? Alexander Usyk is the best cruiserweight of all time, period. Now, head-to-head, mythical matchups against him, uh, him and Holyfield or him and Tony and a bunch of other guys, we can argue that. That's a completely different discussion. But in terms of accomplishment, he is the most proven cruiserweight ever. And let's see, he's his 10th fight, his 10th fight, he fought Glovaki in Poland for his first title. Then he fought Bradis in Latvia for the BCBO title in his 14th fight. In his 15th fight, he fought Muragasiev in Russia during a war where Russia had taken part of the Ukraine. Remember that? So literally during a war where Russia was invading his country, he goes to Russia and fights the undefeated cruiserweight unified champ. That was the, Gassiev was a unified champ and beats him. That was 
fucking huge. He did that in his 15th fight. I don't think many Americans understand how big of a deal that was. In his 16th fight, he defends his undisputed cruiserweight championship in the UK, in the UK against Tony Bellew. Um, all those fights on the road. That's not even including Marco Huck, former champion who he fought in Germany. That's not including Michael Hunter, who he fought in America, who is now a top 10 rated heavyweight, right? Who called out Usyk on Twitter rather classlessly uh, this weekend. Not as classless as Javante Davis, though, who you guys saw I responded to. Um, just disgusting what Javante Davis tweeted. I, I don't understand. And the thousand plus people who liked his tweet, what fucking planet are you people on? I just don't understand it. But in comparison to Holyfield, now Holyfield beat Kwai in his 12th uh, fight uh, for the WBA title. Barely won, but good win. The difficulty that Usyk had with Bradis, Holyfield had that kind of difficulty in his first fight with Kwai. But that was his 12th fight compared to Usyk's 10th fight. First title fight, okay? And then their rematch was for the WBA and IBF. That was in Holyfield's 17th fight. So there were five fights, I'm sorry, four fights in between. And then he fought Carlos De Leon for the WBA, uh, WBC, and IBF in his 18th fight. And he never had a defense of his undisputed cruiserweight championship. From there, he moved up to the heavyweight division. In his seventh pro fight, Holyfield fought for heavyweight championship against Buster Douglas. Osik did it in his third heavyweight fight. Now, the heavyweight script for Usyk is still being written, so I'm going to leave it there. But Cruiserweight, I don't think you could deny this. And I want to make this one last point because this is something I think a lot of young boxing fans without the historical reference just do not understand. When Evander Holyfield fought in the Cruiserweight division, it was brand new. It had only been around for a couple of years. It was seen in that time by many in the American fight press and by um, – even by Ring Magazine. We didn't even recognize the Cruiserweight division until 2005. But it was seen in its infancy the way a lot of us look at Bridgerweight right now. WBC invented the Bridgerweight division, right? Last year, I think it was. They also started the Cruiserweight division, I think, in 1979 or 1980. The other sanctioning organizations didn't catch on until a little, a little later, okay? So the belts that Holyfield was winning in that junior, it was actually called junior heavyweight briefly. They didn't even know what to call it yet. They called it junior heavyweight, and then it became cruiserweight. That division was in, this, in its infancy. It was not universally recognized as a true division. A lot of the American fight press and the networks here scoffed at it and didn't even want to you know, air fights in that division. Again, it's the way we kind of laugh at the bridgerweight division right now. That's the way people saw cruiserweight slash junior heavyweight in that time. So the division that Holyfield competed in, and it was very brief, and he accomplished a lot in a very short time, okay? He deserves tremendous credit for that. It was not the division Usyk competed in. It was a, Usyk competed in a mature 40-plus-year-old division, right, right around 40 years, sorry, right around 40 years old. And it had a wealth of global talent, and it had a lineage of champions, Guys who had fought there, Jan Mark Mormek, David Hay, Tomas Adamek, O'Neill Bell, guys like that who were the legitimate cruiserweight champion. There was a lineage, right? And the only guy who had successfully gone up to heavyweight and really done great work was Holyfield. But in the cruiserweight division itself, there had been plenty of, of, of top fighters from around the world, guys with Olympic pedigrees, uh, big amateur careers that did good things at cruiserweight. Some of them had some success at heavyweight, 
but most of them didn't accomplish that much once they moved up. Still, that was the division Usa competed in. And also the weight limit was 200 pounds, not 190 pounds, like when Evander Holyfield fought. So, so the division that Usyk cleaned out in six, 15 fights, much deeper talent pool, much richer history, legacy, and lineage than the one Holyfield competed in. It cannot be understated, okay? So I say all that because it's relevant to what we just saw this weekend. It's truly, truly relevant, okay? It's not the hand of Evander Holyfield. I'm a huge Evander Holyfield fan. I rate him higher than Mike Tyson on my um, all-time heavyweight uh, list, um, right around somewhere in the top dozen or so heavyweights of all time. And yes, there were steroids. He was a performance-enhancing drugs user. I, I get all that, but just putting that aside for right now, Evander Holyfield, one of the top dozen or so heavyweights of all time. I'm a huge fan of what he did. Alexander Usyk has already outpaced him at cruiserweight, and he's got he's gotten to a place at heavyweight, uh, you know, unifying titles and being seen as one of the top guys, if not the top guy, in just his third fight. It took Holyfield seven. What we don't know is what Usyk will do from here. That script is unwritten still. But at this point, what he has done is truly historic, and to do that within 20 fights. And by the way, I think he's the 2021 fighter of the year. I don't think anyone's going to usurp that. I just don't. Canelo might get it because it's a popularity contest and he's cleaning out the super middleweight division. But in my opinion, beating Anthony Joshua is a more significant accomplishment, especially moving up 20 plus pounds to do it and doing it in his backyard is a bigger accomplishment than beating uh, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, Avni Yildirim, and Caleb Plant. That's just how I feel. If you guys think I'm crazy, let me know. If you disagree, let me know why I'm wrong. All right, let's go to the phones. We have a ton of phone calls. Guys, I will say this. We've got to keep these quick, okay? we got to keep these about five minutes each, so let's plow through them, all right? Let's jump right to, it looks like we've got Great Britain on the phone. Uh, let's see, 796, you are on the show. What's going on? Hello, Mike. How's it going? Hi, man. What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, uh... A lot of people were picking Joshua. I thought it's fifty-fifty based on the location, but when I when I saw Usyk um, completely blank out, uh, what's his name, Garcia. So I thought he's got the style to beat Joshua because I was at at the Parker fight and the Takam fight, and I, I don't know about the whole size. Uh, I know he's got size advantage, but I don't know about how people are just making a jest about size because at the Parker fight, I, I thought he won maybe. Eight nine rounds live. I had it about ten two, but I think it's much closer than that. But he took seven eight rounds to figure out Parker, and all Parker was really doing was backpedaling and flicking out the jab. He did some good work defensively, but I just thought Usyk has much better ring IQ and skills than Parker. The only thing was Parker obviously was a natural heavyweight as a professional, and he showed he could take punches off a heavyweight, but. I thought Usyk would have the ability and skill set to make Joshua miss. So I, I was thinking Usyk, but I thought he might get robbed. So I thought it might end up being a draw, but I did not like Joshua's chances in this fight. And that's why I was really surprised how many people were picking Joshua just boldly saying he's going to stop him, he's going to blast him out. Because after he beat uh, Dylan White, I believe the only guy who's blasted out, uh, I don't count Derek Molina for is Charles Martin, who's arguably the worst heavyweight uh, belt holder. So 
I don't know. I thought Joshua had a chance to knock him out, but not like it wasn't a fight that was going to end in a couple of rounds. I just thought Usyk was going to make him miss and make him pay. And I thought the best bet for Joshua to win was if it was a controversial decision. That was the only way I thought he could win. I just I just couldn't see him figuring Usyk out because as a southpaw, someone made a very good point. The only guy uh, Joshua's fought since the Savon fight in the amateurs, which was a controversial fight, I think, was Charles Martin. He didn't really mm. fight any great southpaws. So I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think Joshua's chinny like some people are making out because that shot Klitschko landed, I think, knocks a lot of guys out. Yeah. But he's definitely become too cautious and gun shy since the Klitschko fight. And I, I think the corner needs to go. After the Ruiz fight, there's criticism. But right now, if they tell him to outbox the smaller guy and outbox him in the late rounds and not change his game plan, I, I personally think he needs a new corner man. Do you, do you agree or do you think he should stick with the same team? You know, a lot of people are saying that. Uh, the, my only issue is, well, let me ask you this, Hamad. If he goes with a new corner... Wouldn't you want a fight or two before you rematch Usyk with the new corner? Or do you want to go right into a rematch with a brand new trainer? I, I just don't know if that's the right move, you know? All right. It's apples and pears, but I remember talking to you about before the Wilder Fury fight. You did say yeah. a Fury had a new trainer and he yep, should have had more fights. So. But, but again, again, I'm not going to compare Fury and Joshua. I think they're two completely different fighters. The only thing... I will say, I, I don't know about all this disrespect Joshua's getting. I think it is more to do with American media members and fans, but yeah. he's been consistently fighting the most top 10 guys. I think the only guy he didn't fight that was on the table was Walder. I don't think it was his fault or his team's fault. Maybe you could give him some sort of blame, but outside that, he's fought everyone. Pavetkin, Klitschko, Parker, Ruiz, and now he fought Usyk, and... I, I just think some people are going a bit over the top, but from a fundamentally point of view and based on his technique, he, he can't be criticized. I think all these guys are definitely flawed, but I think the two most skilled guys in the division are Fury and Usyk. But yeah. at the moment, I think Usyk deserves all the credit because look, I I do rate Fury high, but Fury didn't get in the ring and beat Joshua. Whether or not he could have done it, we'll never know. Same with Wilder, and for all the criticism people are giving Joshua. He got in the ring, a bit Klitschko inside 20 fights, and he managed to unify the division, which Walder didn't do. And regarding mandatory challenges, Walder has not really honoured his mandatory challenger, Dylan White. So I think some people are going a bit over the top. But I do think, uh, I don't know what you think, I'll, I'll drop off. I don't think a rematch would be a good idea from a style point of view, but I don't think he's got many other options. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a fight with Fury and or Wilder isn't going to happen anytime soon. Um, you know, he there, there there's options because he's with Matchroom and there's certain guys he could fight in the UK and kind of rebuild with a new trainer. There's one of two directions he goes. It's either you go right into the immediate rematch with McCracken in your corner, and you just try to tighten yeah. some things and adjust some things, or you go into rebuild phase. You get a new team and. You don't rematch Usyk immediately. You take on a couple of soft touches and kind of rebuild. I think he could go either way, but knowing Joshua and his temperament, he's going to go want to go right back into the rematch with Usyk. I think that's what we see next. Yeah, yeah. I, I think 
I think it's a big fight, and that's the fight to make. It's really in Wilder fighting, but he's still young. People, I yeah. always say the heavyweight division, you age longer, but I thought Usyk would win the fight, but a lot of people were making a bit too much, I think, about the age. I think with Wilder, if he loses, he's 36. So with Usyk is a bit older, he's 34, but guys like Josh and Fury are only 31, I believe, and 32 or something like that. Yeah. So... I still think Joshua's got a long time to rebuild, but one of the things I will, the last thing I will say uh, regarding the whole fight, uh, Joshua, I think he needs to, he needs to think about in the future. Either he's going to start boxing, or because he came in two forty and then he tried out boxing the smaller guys, or he has to be a bit more aggressive because he started too slow, but he was stuck between two different styles and. I'm not comparing him to Lennox, but when Lennox fought Vitali, I know it's completely different. Uh, a completely different scenario, but on two weeks' notice, he was getting outboxed and he was losing that fight, and then he just took it to the streets. And yeah. I'm not comparing the two two fights because Usyk is a superior boxer than Joshua, but uh, I think Dwyer made some very good videos, and I agree. He said in the post fight, like Joshua, after the fourth round, he did not try imposing his size, his will. He could have look. I'm not the biggest Klitschko fan, but Klitschko and guys at Ward when they got in the ring. They did what they had to do to get the win. I did not see any of that from Joshua. Like any agency to hold, to like to get. Uh, maybe he's not that fighter, but get on the inside, tie, tie Usyk up, uh, punch him with one arm tied up. I just think they, he got it completely wrong. But at the same time, I think Usyk deserves all the credit. And I think he outperformed uh, Joshua, and he, I think, he overachieved in that fight because I thought he'd win eight, um, about eight rounds or something like that, but. I thought he won nine rounds. I thought he could argue he won about ten rounds in that fight, if I'm being honest. But that was a very good performance. And I'll be interested to see what happens in two weeks' time. But I do think if Fury and Usyk fight, I think that's the fight where size will matter. Because in this fight, uh, it's still, I think, a competitive fight. But in this fight, people are basically a lot of Chisora. But Chisora is a guy that Vitaly Klitschko, Fury, Dilla White. A lot of these guys went 12 rounds in and either needed a rematch to stop him or went the distance. So... I think we'll see how Fury looks in two weeks, but I do think that's a very interesting fight. There'll be a fight if it does happen and Fury wins between two undefeated heavyweights and it'll be for the undisputed title. But I think Usyk is at no shorter than number two pound for pound, arguably number one, I would say right now. Agreed. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Hamed. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, and a couple of you guys are in the chat. We're talking about the location of the rematch, it's going to be in London. Look, that that is contractually locked up, tied up with Matchroom, and it's they're going to go right back to London. Look, you just did 66,000 in London, right? The rematch is going to do more. They could go to Wembley. They could do 90,000, honestly. That, that's not an exaggeration, depending on COVID and timing and things like that. If they go early next year, like April, March, April, I'm telling you guys right now, they're going to go right back to London. and. Usyk's side, even though they won the first fight, they really have no say in that. They're going to get more money. They can negotiate, you know, purse and, and things like that. Uh, they're going to have more say in, uh, you know, ring size and maybe that kind of stuff. But location, I, that's going right back to London. All right. Um, back to the phones. Back to the phones we go. It looks like we got San Diego, 619. You're on the show. Hey, Michael. It's Juan Valverde. How you doing, my friend? Good. How you doing, Juan? Doing good, doing good. Um, you know, uh, I was listening to 
to everything you were talking about. I listened to your video yesterday that you put up, and uh, and obviously read uh, what you were talking about between uh, the comparison between uh, uh, if Andrew Holyfield and Usyk accomplishments at cruiserweight, and I, I couldn't agree more. And 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 to be you know for all those younger guys out there, I started watching boxing around that era when the cruiserweight division when Holyfield was the champ. 87, 88, 89. Uh, I, I think I started watching boxing right before Mike Tyson fought Michael Spain. He, he had just fought Terrell Biggs. And, uh, and I remember that the cruiserweight division was a joke. Yes. Uh, junior heavyweight, it was a joke. Like yes. everybody was like, it, it was that in super middleweight. They were like, they, they, nobody took them ser- seriously. And exactly. the IDF, I, I think the IDF, uh, the, the other new, the, other the IBF was brand new. And, and but they and, thought they were a joke too. Yeah. The IBF was nothing, and the cruiserweight yeah. division was a joke. Yep. And, and it's funny because out of all those things, uh, also one thing that that was going on back then is that Mike Tyson was the number one pound for pound boxer in the world. He was on on every list on on, on, on number one. He was number one, number two was Holyfield or Michael Spinks before Holyfield. But I remember that those guys were kind of a like it, that's the last time we saw heavyweight be the number one top pound, pound for pound champion. Yeah. So it, it's funny that that we're getting into this conversation now that Usyk is you know doing kind of the same thing that Holyfield did. But yeah, Holyfield was looked as a small guy that didn't have a chance in the heavyweight division. I remember that everybody said that he was too small, no power. And even when he won the championship, even though he was just he was a good fighter. If you remember the way he fought, he was really aggressive. A good, good power punching boxer, but most most people said he didn't have the punching power to, to you know to be in with the bigger guys. Eventually, he proved us wrong. He he's one of the greatest of all time, and whatever he wanted, you know, all those things became history. But this, all those things that we're talking about, leads me to a previous conversation I had with you um, a few weeks back. I don't remember when it was, but I I, I, I talked about you know letting boxers lose. Remember. Mm-hmm. That if we don't let boxers lose, we don't get, you know, the rematches and the glory from winning. Like I mentioned, Sugar Ray coming back against Duran and yeah. having the no moss. And if, you know, if they, they rob him the first fight, we don't get that. And and I think I was thinking about this when they were going to announce the decision. I'm just like, please let Joshua, this, he deserves to lose. He deserves the opportunity to redeem himself in a good way, not in a bad way. You know, if he wins, or he gets a draw, he's gonna be his popularity is gonna go down. Number one, number two, people are gonna say, "Hey, this guy gets got the gift. He's the A side. He's part of the establishment," and and, and people will have that bad taste in, in their mouth. Now he has the opportunity to come back, correct? And even though after watching this fight, I I, I think Usyk is a is a, a better fighter than he is overall. I'm not going to discount Joshua. I don't know what's going to happen. You never know in a rematch what's going to happen. Right. You know, I saw some things in the fight that that lead me to believe that Joshua can improve. For example, he had like a couple of good solid rounds. Yep. Everything else was very close. The two good rounds, and in, in, in those two rounds, what he did, he went to the body. Yep. And he went to the body strong. And he hurt Usyk to the body. You could see that he, he felt that punch. And when he did that, he opened them up. But he just didn't follow up, and and the the reason why he's not following up, and those jabs are so weak, and are just they're barely just like he, it's it's more like a distance jab instead of a power jab like the Lovekins jab. He is 
tentative. He, he feels, I, I feel like the guy doesn't commit to it because he's afraid of getting countered by a faster guy. And he needs to, what he really needs is a psychologist to talk to him, to get him off of that mindset and get him back into getting some self-confidence. And that's why he needs a couple of fights before going to a rematch. He needs confidence builder. He needs to be more aggressive, trust him in himself. And that is the only way he's going to come and beat this guy or have a chance to beat him, in my opinion. If not, he's going to get beat again and again and again. Probably knocked out the next time. Because I do think that in that third round, Usyk showed that he could hurt him. But he said it in an interview. I didn't want to knock him. My corner told me not to knock him out. Yeah. And I think that if, he, if they go into a rematch, he, he might be, be a little bit more confident in knocking him out. I think he can. Now, uh, in regards to the pound-for-pound pound, uh, you know, conversation, people are starting to you know talk about Usyk being the top guy. And I, and I think he's in the conversation. But I think I think it, Canelo has earned it, I think. even I'm not the biggest Canelo fan, but I think he's earned it. He has a, a career, you know, he's in, what, 55, something like that? He fought in multiple divisions, won mm. against all types of fighters. Usyk is still, you know, only 19 fights. So we still need to see, you know, a couple more fights. We'll see, you know. Right now, I think he has a better win with the Joshua win than anything Canelo's done, like, individually, because Canelo did not beat Triple G convincingly to say, hey, I have that victory in my, you know, I have that sculpt. He doesn't have it. He did not earn it, while Usyk did. So I think he's, he's, he might be the first guy since Tyson in the heavyweight division to get that pound for pound later on. Hmm. You know, I hope that he does. You know, I like Usyk a lot. And I love uh, Joshua, too. I hate that people are dismissing him. Uh, Joshua is the only guy right now in the, in the division that's doing what those guys in the 90s were doing, fighting everybody, losing, coming yeah. back, you know? Exactly. Everybody did that. Cargill, Tyson, Moore, everybody went through that. Both. So those guys that are undefeated, they're just, they're just fighting chumps. They're, like, not proven. This guy has proven himself inside the ring. He's going to lose once in a while. That's the nature of the game when you're facing the best. So right now, he has a chance, and that's good. That's all I got, Mike. Good stuff, brother. Good stuff, man. I completely agree. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, let's keep it going. Boy, we got a lot of calls. Oh, man, we got a lot of calls, guys. Uh, all right, uh, 513, you're on the show. What's up? 513, you're on the 10 count. 10. Uh, can you hear me oh, now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I was about to count you uh, out. I, I had it on mute for some odd reason. I don't know why it was on mute. It's all good. What's <laughs> Sorry up, Andrew? About that. <laughs> Um, the first thing uh, I wanted to bring up, you asked the question of whether I thought you were crazy for saying Alexander Usyk is the fighter of the year. I don't think he's the fighter of the year. I still would give it to Canelo, and okay. I don't think you're crazy, though. I, I don't think you're crazy. I think there's an argument there. But I try to put a premium on fighters' activity because I like to see my favorite fighters get out there more often, so I want there to be an incentive for that. And it looks like Usyk's only going to fight once this year, and it's kind of hard to give him that, at least in my mind. That's that's a good point. That's a fair point. And if Canelo fights Plant, uh, well, he will fight Plant, and puts on a fantastic performance, it does clean out the super middleweight division, I would have no issue with people saying Canelo is pound-for-pound pound number one, and and or the 2021 fighter of the year it's really between 
the two of them. It's between Canelo Alvarez and Alexander Usyk, and you can't go wrong with either one. You just can't. Now, pound for pound is a different discussion. I don't mind Usyk being number one after after that win. I, I just, you know, given a fighter of the year, it's, it's just hard to justify because it's of the year. What did you accomplish this year? And Canelo's got more wins. I mean, not of the same quality, but more. <laughs> But there's an argument to be had there. I will, I will concede that. It's not crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you can make an argument either way. And I think it, it, it's a good thing, Andrew, that we have two guys in this discussion because I feel like in recent years, the, the, there was like a clear favorite for fighter of the year, pound for pound. The fact that we got two guys that are like neck and neck, that's good because that means we have fighters that are competing at a high level. And I like when there's two or three guys in the discussion. You know, that's a good thing. Yeah, and you know, I, I you know, once again, another discussion that could potentially come up soon is, uh, uh, I think eventually, I think Josh Taylor and Terrence Crawford are on a collision course. When those two pound for pound fighters fight each other, that could really throw a third guy in the in the ring for the number one pound for pound. Yeah. But if that fight happens, uh, I, I think it will. I, 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 I don't. Earl Spence with the injury. I mean, what else is Crawford gonna do? I mean, yeah. Ugas really, there really isn't much there for him. I, I, I would go after Josh Taylor, the two undisputed at 140 facing off of the WBL. I, that's, that's a big fight. I, I'd be in on that. <laughs> That'd be huge. That'd be like a boxing nerd's yeah, that, dream fight. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How often you have two former undisputed champions fighting each other? <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know. Has that ever happened? <laughs> Well, it's happened, era, but it's, it's, it I, you know, maybe in the four belt era, maybe it hasn't happened, but, but, um, it, it would be, his, it'd be historic. It'd be a great international, <clears throat> like diehard boxing fan kind of matchup. And the winner of that fight would probably be pound for pound number one. So, yeah. yeah well, uh, you know, but if Canelo keeps doing what he's doing, Usyk, let's say Usyk wins the rematch. I mean, that now you got those three guys, all, all three of them got great cases. and. That, that, as you said, that's a good thing. It gives us something to talk about. It's not, oh, this guy's number one, and everybody just we move on. It, it makes right. it, you know, for the pundit shows on ESPN, it even helps grow the sport whenever they talk about boxing because there's an argument there. You know, they love to argue on those shows. <laughs> Agreed, brother. 100% on that. Yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to talk about is I, I've been kind of, I guess, a little – I'm not necessarily upset. It was a great fight. Um but th- this is this is annoying me. I think it's annoying you too. Is where everybody's trying to diminish the accomplishment of Alexander Usyk and crap on Anthony Joshua and say, oh, Tyson Fury and uh, Wilder would have beat him. Well, like, well, they didn't do it. <laughs> They've had both yes. of those guys have had ample opportunity to do it, and they didn't do it. <laughs> Same with Usyk. They could, they both could have fought Usyk. Usyk, I'm sure, would have fought for the WBC. I, I have no doubt about it. You, yep. you didn't do it. That's what I'm saying. And they're sitting there like that's what people do on Twitter. That's ahead, annoying. Yeah, and it's it's like okay, and 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 in the end, the way I look at it is this: in my mind, in the last five years, the two best heavyweight nights of boxing for diehard boxing fans. We'll throw in a third just to be nice to the other two fellows that are doing the longest trilogy in the history of boxing. <laughs> um. Would be uh, Joshua Klitschko and Joshua Usyk. He won one, he lost one, but he gave you two fantastic nights of great high-level boxing. 
He gave you two. The other one, I guess, you could throw in there is Wilder Fury, too. But, like, I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 at this point, if their careers last another six years, they're going to, like, do four more Wilder Fury fights, and that's all they're going to be. Like, it's how long does it take to do three fights between two guys <laughs> with immediate rematches? Like, it's a good point. Good point, ridiculous. man. I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts, uh, and uh, I, I appreciate it. I'll let you give your thoughts right. off the line. I know you got more callers, but I had to say that because somebody needs to hear it because this is ridiculous because Anthony Joshua is trying to deliver what we all say we want as fans. We need to not go after him and punish him for it. Yes, We need to be like, hey, he put up a good fight. It was a good competitive fight. And you know what? I'm excited for the rematch whenever it happens. Um and yeah, <laughs> I completely agree, much, man. Taking my call. Have a good night, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, just to back up on Andrew's point, and I, I said this before. Fans bitch about fighters not fighting the best. Anthony Joshua has consistently fought the best who are willing to fight him at heavyweight. Fury wasn't willing. Wilder wasn't willing. Wilder literally turned down over a hundred million dollars. Lou DiBello, who was promoting him at the time, negotiated that deal with the zone. They're going to pay him $20 million for Dominic Brazil, who was his mandatory, and then two fights with Joshua, an immediate rematch clause after the first one. So win or lose, he would have had two fights with Joshua, totaling over $100 million. That deal was rejected, and very soon after that, Lou DiBello was out in, in Team Wilder. And then if you do a little further math, Lou DiBello was uh, PBC's East Coast guy. What Tom Brown was on the West Coast – Lou DiBello was that guy on the East Coast. And then Lou is out at PBC. And now Tom Brown is, is promoting all the shows for uh, for Al Heyman. So do the math there, guys. Just do the math. It's it's all right there for you. This shit has been documented. I see a bunch of memes that, oh, AJ ducked Fury. He ducked Wilder. And, and now he got knocked out by, you know, a, a tiny little Russian. They're calling him Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian guy Russian. But I've seen this. I've seen these memes. And I'm like, these, these people saying this stuff have no fucking idea what they're talking about. By the way, I had to block a guy in the chat because he brought up race as it relates to Alexander Usyk. You bring up race, you're fucking blocked. You're gone. Now, I'm going to give you a chance. I blocked you for five minutes. You can come back. But you bring this shit up on my show, you're gone. No place for it. No place for it. All right? I'm sick of this shit. It has nothing to do with what happened this weekend or our conversation right now. He's not a hype job. He's not a hope job, as you were trying to allude to. That's fucking ridiculous. If you bring that ignorant shit back, you're blocked for life. That's it. All right. On that note, next caller, 570, you're on the show. What's up? (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough one to follow up. I don't even know how race even integrates into that conversation. I mean, that guy must have some mental problems. Or graduated summa cum laude from slip and fall school. That would probably be my best guess. (laughs) I guess so. What's up, let me, let me just say, Mike, I, I, I asked you, hello, I asked you uh, last week, I said, what's AJ's best weapon? Yep. And you correctly said the uppercut. Alexander Usyk took that weapon away up until round eight. And when I was watching the fight, I saw AJ land a couple skimming uppercuts. I'm like, uh-oh, this might be trouble. But Usyk adjusted. He got away from the uppercut. He came out pretty much unscathed and then closed the show after that he adjusted after aj's best weapon was taken away he really didn't offer much else and 
that's what people forget about Usyk and Lomachenko. They take away your opponent's best weapon. If you don't have a backup weapon, you're, you're pretty much useless. And um, it, the fight reminded – I watched the fight three times, okay? So I have all the info you need. That fight reminded me of Larry Holmes versus Jerry Cooney up until round 12. 13 was when Holmes knocked Cooney out. But it's pretty much a replica. Usyk just outclassed AJ. Hmm. AJ had size and strength, okay? But he didn't have the wherewithal to be able to utilize that size and strength. Maybe Lennox Lewis might have been able to do that against Usyk. But as for size, I think Usyk negates size. And as the blueprint, he's undefeated. He hasn't been roughed up. He hasn't been beaten. The closest he came to losing was against Mars Breedis yeah. in Latvia. It was, it was a close fight. And, and what he did was he kind of roughed up Usyk. He made it an ugly fight, fought on the inside a lot. And I don't think there's a heavyweight that's really out there except for Chisora and maybe Dylan White. Mm-hmm. That, that really is capable of that kind of fight. So I don't need to see a rematch. AJ can't beat him in a rematch. It's, it's a lost cause. But, of course, they're going to make the fight. I got excited there for a minute when Usyk said, hey, let's have this in Kiev in front of 70,000 people at the stadium there. But I think they shot that down. Obviously, the money issue is going to, going to come into play. But that would have been beautiful to see Usyk be able to do that. For I'm part Ukrainian, and I think um, I'm third generation American. But um, for, for that country, that war-torn country, to have something like that, I think it would be great. But I think he, he would have to do it after AJ. And maybe, just maybe, Vladimir Klitschko might come out of retirement. We didn't see him at the fight. We saw his brother, Vitaly, conspicuously absent, I must say. And they hmm. have, you know, they own K, K, uh, K2 promotions. So he wasn't there. I, I think there's a little bad blood between him and Usyk, to be quite honest. And it wouldn't shock me if Vlad... Because he did talk about wanting to break George Foreman's record of oldest ever to hold a title at heavyweight. If he might come out to retirement, if Usyk's able to keep his career going, because, again, he's a little older. And um, unfortunately, with most Eastern Europeans, you see a long, drawn-out amateur career. And the pro career, you don't, you don't see that um, longevity. But that might be a possibility down the road. and. Uh, you know, I, I think he handled, he would handle Vladimir like he did in sparring. It's just not a style conducive to beating Usyk. And my only, when I spoke to you, I, I said, look, my only fear here is if, I, if the Brits rob him. Right. That's why I couldn't put a lot of money on Usyk because I was afraid they were going to rob him. And I'm so glad I was wrong. I am so glad because that would have torn me away from boxing completely to, to watch that happen again like it did against Kovalev, Ward, and uh, Canelo, and Golovkin, to see those guys robbed because the establishment fighter needed to come out ahead. And I, I give I give the uh, British board credit, man. They they came through. Sure, they had to rob the Sonny Martinez right. against Campbell Hatton, which was a buzzkill. That fight, like you said earlier, should not have been on a paper, well, on a, on a the zone card. Mm-hmm. It was a buzzkill right after Callum Smith leveled leveled the opponent he had it, it, it didn't need to be there so let's just leave it at that and moving forward people are talking about fury you know fury's his style 
is not going to be very effective against Usyk. And I say that because watch him against smaller guys, the Chersora fight first time and the Steve Cunningham fight hmm. and Otto Willeen. Willeen's 6'5", but those styles trouble him. And Usyk's is a little smaller than Willeen, but he's has a much, much more aggressive posture, a much better boxer. And, and, and again, his IQ is beyond reproach. That's a, that's a battle of minds if it ever came, came down. Uh, Fury would have to use his size and bully, steamroll Usyk. But I think Usyk is just too nimble, and he gets underneath them and, and hurts them. So that's the fight I want to see. Will it happen? It will not happen. Uh, because, again, I think top rank and PB, especially PBC, they're not going to put their fighters on the zone. It's a political thing. Um, it, it's, it's unfortunate. But I, if, if there were a fighter that could do it, it might be Fury. He might be able to cross the line. But um, I, I don't see these PBC fighters ever fighting a zone fighter on the zone. Unfortunately, in boxing, this is what, we, what we're dealt but I'm just glad that we saw a great weekend of boxing. And to all the American fighters out there with that uh, entitlement attitude, use Usyk as a wake-up call to see how a true professional goes about his business. They don't talk about money. They don't talk about all their nonsense. They go out there and they just fight. They don't care where the fight's at. They beat you in your backyard just like Usyk did on the road, beats everybody in their backyard, doesn't care, doesn't talk about money. He just talks about boxing. And that's what you have to be to, in order to be great. And all these American fighters outside of like Joe Smith with this attitude, this entitlement attitude, you're killing boxing. You're making a mockery of American boxing. Like from Marvin Hagler's era, Larry Holmes, Muhammad Ali, name them all. You are an embarrassment to those fighters by pulling the crap you're pulling, trying to be Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd Mayweather is a WWE uh, spec. He, he was an actor more than anything. Stop being that and start being fighters again. We as fans will pay for the good fights. But when you act like the way you are with the entitlement, like Gervonta Davis, not impressed, okay, makes you look even stupider than what you really are. So that's what I'm going to leave you with, Mike. The American <laughs> fighters out there, grow up, start being a professional. Leave all that other business to guys who graduated from college, okay? Go out there and be a fighter. Do your job. And that's all I got to say. Great stuff, Mike. I'll, I'll talk to you next, next two weeks. Thank all you. All right. Thanks a lot, Thad. All right. Thad's opinion is one that is shared by many out there. I want to share um, – I want to share my screen because I want to show you guys this tweet from Javante Davis. I think it's worth just showing because it's, it's so terrible and 2,731 fans liked that tweet. Now I quote tweeted it. I don't even know if you'll be able to find my, let's see if I can find it real quick. There's too many damn people, but basically what I said, I, I'm paraphrasing, but what I said was, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not impressive to fight the best. You know, there was no regular belts on the line. There's no regular titles on the line. Um, so, you know, that's basically what I said. But for him to tweet that, I just thought that was, uh, I, I just thought that was kind of classless. You know, to say, 
maybe the style of the fight wasn't your favorite. Okay. But to say you weren't impressed, come on, dude. He moved up in weight. He fought the, the face of the division in his backyard. And he, beat, he beat him. That's, that, that's pretty impressive. Um, Walter in the chat asking, was I a Marine? I saw you ask, but yes, I was in the Marine Corps. And then he asked, were you an actor? I've done some acting work. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking about getting back into it. I've stopped doing it uh, the last few years because my work in boxing has taken up too much of my time, but I was on a few soap operas and I did a bunch of stunt work and things like that. Yeah. I kind of fell into it when I lived out in LA. Um, I didn't really mean to, but um, it ended up being a lot of fun. I got some great stories out of it. And I live in Atlanta now where I could do more of that work. So Maybe at uh, some point I'll get back into it, but not right now, man. I'm too busy. All right, Nacho, you're on the phone. What's up, man? Hey, Mike, what's going on? Oh, man. Um, just really quick, I'd like to add my two cents in that tweet that you were talking about because I actually commented. I commented, um, I said, coming from the dude who won three Reggie belts against uh, Barrios, Gamboa, and Santa Cruz, I'm supposed to be impressed. <laughs> exactly. And, so, I mean, perfect. you know, that's how I feel about Gravanta. Gravanta should not be throwing stones at anybody because we can legitimately throw them right back at him and his career. So, I think he should have just left. He should have just left well enough alone. But you know how some of these guys are; they automatically got to go on social media and and state their opinions, good or bad. But you know, it is what it is. Um, I uh been listening for a minute. Um I kind of disagree with uh Juan who called uh earlier. Um I don't think <clears throat> he needs to go and take Joshua needs to go and take two or three tune-ups before he takes on Usyk again. I think he proved that by taking on Andy Ruiz uh right after he lost to him. I think all he needs to do is make adjustments um, like he was saying, uh, you know, go to the body, be more aggressive and cut off the ring and force Usyk to have to not be able to just stand in the middle of the ring all night. And, um, you know, like uh, he has to let his hands go more than anything because Joshua just seemed like he was just kind of putting punches on layaway mm. at different times in the fight. And I think that was the biggest thing that cost him. Uh, granted, Usyk did land shots that could have hurt Joshua and, and that definitely uh, could have played a part as well. But I just think honestly, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, as aggressive in what he wanted to do. It just felt kind of like he kept going back and forth on what style he should implement. And, and he, he cost himself the fight. I think if he sticks to one game plan, I think that would make all the difference. Um, like you said, Mike, I think if he's going to end up going the route of, I need to go get new trainers. Then the idea of going to go get tune-ups makes sense because that way you get training camps with the new corner and you kind of get used to them. They get used to you. And then you figure out your fighting style. But if you're not going to get rid of McCracken and Sims, you might as well just go and do the rematch because there's no point in trying to take on tune-ups at this point. You know, like that that's just steps backwards, in my opinion, for him to take tune-ups if he's going to keep the same corner. Mm -hmm. And also, um, uh, I, I agree with uh, what a lot of the guys have been saying. Um, 
boxing fans are just so damn fickle nowadays, especially when it comes to social media, because guys literally uh, bitch and moan about how they're tired of seeing guys fight tomato cans and, and journeymen and no hopers. And then as soon as we get a fight where two guys really put everything on the line and one guy loses, then automatically the guy just gets completely, you know, uh, disrespected like Joshua has. It's unbelievable. It's like, it's either you do or you don't. Like to me, it's either you, you want big fights or you want good fights or you're okay watching guys tee off on dudes who have no chance of beating them and maintaining those zeros at the end of the record. You can't have it both ways. And I think it's unbelievable that Joshua gets uh, crapped on by a lot of these guys who legitimately, you know, I think a lot of those guys have agendas. Mm -hmm. They don't like the guy, so they just want to find any reason to, you know, crap all over the guy. But like you said, Mike, he's the only guy out here who's actually willing to take on, you know, uh, yeah. all comers. All these other guys, he's, they're all basically, you know. He's like Sean Porter. And, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, Nacho, but but Sean Porter, I, it just popped in my head. Now, he's not as good maybe as, as Joshua, but Sean Porter is willing to fight anybody in the welterweight division. I don't care that Sean Porter loses fights. American boxing needs more Sean Porters. You know what I'm saying? So, so, like, how could anyone hate on Sean Porter? He fights everybody. That's the way I look at Joshua. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no reason to um, disrespect the guy. Like, yeah. like you were saying, if he if he takes on the best, yeah, he's not going to win all the time because that's just not what happens. You know, so this idea that, uh, you know, fans should just, you know, go ahead and crap all over the guy because he didn't win the fight. It's just ridiculous, and I'm kind of getting annoyed at this point of seeing these people who, who do that because it's funny. The same people who crap all over Joshua are the same guys who bought every uh, hook, line, and sinker excuse that uh, Deontay Wilder put out there <laughs> yeah. about why he lost. Yes. Know? So that's, that's what makes me upset, Mike, is that you're willing to give one guy a pass for giving you every excuse in the book. As Multiple passes. Exactly. And and this guy who goes out there and, you know, puts his titles on the line and takes on, you know, anybody anybody who's willing to take him on, he loses and all of a sudden, oh, he's this, oh, he's that. Man, come on. Like, that's just garbage. And, and I feel bad for Joshua having to hear these jokers just bash him. But like I said, Mike, the one thing I hope is, I hope these so-called fans that are doing that right now are going to be doing that on October 11th when Wilder loses again. That's what I want to see. Mm. I want to see how many of those guys are going to be sticking up for Wilder in uh, in about two weeks when he loses again. I want to see how many of them will sit there and say, oh, you know, Wilder did, did, didn't do this and the Wilder didn't do that. I don't want to hear it. You know, it's either, either he wins or he loses. I don't want to hear the excuses anymore. He ran his free passes uh, in my book are, are gone. And it's either put up or shut up. And uh, if you're not going to do it, then I don't want to hear it, you know? And uh, just one last thing, because I know you got other people um, waiting, Mike. Um, I saw something earlier today. I don't know if you can confirm it or not, but supposedly Teofimo said that the fight has officially been moved to October 16th. But I kept reading about how uh, Cambosos has not signed anything yet agreeing to the move. 
Do you happen to know anything about that? No, I don't. I have not looked into that. As far as I know, it's uh, October 16 and at Barclays, they changed venue and everything. So, um, but oh, no, no. What I mean is, Cambosos hasn't agreed to move it from the 4th to the 16th. I, I haven't heard that. No, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I don't know. I can, I'll ask uh, around. Okay. I'll, look, I'll look around. I'll ask around. Oh, okay, cool. All right, Mike. Well, that's my call, and uh, I'll talk to you uh, Friday if you do a show, or if not, next Monday. All right. Thanks a lot, Nacho. All right, guys. All right. Later. Let's see. Uh, so th there's an interesting comment here. I wanted to read this. This is from Santhole. He says, uh, how can anyone hand Sean Porter because he's boring? There's the same thing fight after fight tackles his opposition, literally charges at them and grabs them. And Okay. I, I hear you as far as his fighting style. Okay. You may not be a Sean Porter fan. I'm not particularly uh, a huge fan of Sean Porter's style. I just mean Sean Porter, the human being. He's a good guy. He's, he's a class act and he fights everybody. So if you, if you don't like his style or whatever that I understand that that's a different discussion. I'm just saying, I'm seeing a lot of people just ripping the the shit out of Anthony Joshua right now, just as a human being and, and dissing him and saying he was a hype job and this, that it's like, you, you guys are crazy. He's, he's taking, and maybe it wasn't a perfect comparison. I'm just saying, um, I don't think anyone holds it against Sean Porter that he lost to Errol Spence and he's going to lose to Terrence Crawford. I think he's actually going to get stopped against Crawford, but I don't think anyone's going to hold that against him. I don't think it's going to hurt his brand. Um, and I don't understand why people hate on Joshua. Uh, I do think some of it's political. I do think a lot of the hate and a lot of the anger does seem to come from Deontay Wilder sycophants in the media. And there are plenty of them in the American media and on YouTube and boxing Twitter and all that. Some of these groups of guys on YouTube and stuff that made all these weird conspiracy videos and all that. And they pick on Joshua to I guess, beef up their guy. It's just, it's very, very odd. It's just very, very strange. It's it's difficult to understand. Uh, another super chat from Feeling Dangerous 113. Thank you, sir. He says, regardless of what happens, I will watch Usyk and AJ next fight the rematch or not. More than I can say for guys like Hunter and Tank Davis. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because guess what? If you're an American fight fan, Javante Davis just fought a you know, B-level opposition. No disrespect to Mario Barrios, but that's what he is. He, he's not an, an elite A-level guy. Uh, on pay-per-view, Usyk and Joshua just fought one of the most important heavyweight fights in years, and it was on the zone. And if you subscribe to the zone uh, already, even if you didn't and you paid the $20 or whatever, um, just much different value that you're getting for your dollar, man. It, it's a, But you guys... You have the power. The fans have the power in this sport. You guys control everything because uh, it, you basically speak up with your wallet. If you spend money on the product, then um, people are going to keep doing what they're doing. If you stop spending money on certain products, uh, they'll they'll change. The promoters will get wise and they will change. But there's a sucker born every minute, right? There is a sucker born every minute. <clears throat> all right, guys. I don't know if I'm going to get to all these calls, but I see Jacob Rodriguez on the line. I got to go to him. Jacob, I think that's you. 910, you're on the show. What's going on, brother? What's up, brother? You hear me? Yes, sir. Man, you know, I had to call in. So, uh, number one, I had to talk about Sean Porter. So, 
Uh, I agree with you 100, 100%. I don't know why Sean Porter gets the hate that he gets. Man. Yeah. Because styles make fights. And we need those Sean Porters to press the action and bring out not only the push these so-called best fighters to the limit. Okay? We need those guys. Okay? These are the guys. If, if people say about fights that Sean Porter lost, I mean, there's some fights there that could have went that could have went his way. Right. There, there are some fights there that, that could have went his way. And that's that relentless pressure. Now, is he the prettiest thing to watch? No. But I tell you what, he's game. And he comes to fight every fight. And whatever fight that he's going to be involved in, you bet your, you bet your bottom dollar, it's going to be entertaining. And it's going to be a tough fight. He's so, like, no one's ever yeah. dominated Sean Porter. No. No. Yeah. No one's ever dominated Sean Porter. And I'll tell you, even. Even with the best skills, okay. I mean, it took it took Spence. I mean, he got the knockdown. What later the fight, like around number ten, round ten or eleven, is where he finally was able to put more on the canvas. Yeah. So yeah, and and you know, if you listen to my prediction video, you know I called the Joshua fight the way the way it went down to the letter. You did. So yeah, you I, did. I knew from a get. Yeah, I knew from a get that this was going to be an ugly fight for Joshua. Uh, for for two reasons. Uh, number one, I think Joshua struggles with people with, with actual boxers, you know, slick boxers, you know. And I said that, and this is not taking anything away from Joshua. And I, and I don't understand why he's getting the kind of hate that he's getting on his persona and on his character. I mean, sometimes these fans take things way beyond outside the ring. Mm-hmm. But for the ring perspective, Joshua just for me struggles with. Like boxes and music, music, and just put put that kind of threat on him. And uh, I don't know what what is going to take. I don't know. I'll be honest. With you, I don't know if the rematch is going to be any different. Yeah, that's I mean, the I, question. I, I, I really right? don't know. Yeah, is it going to be any different? Really Can Joshua do anything different in the rematch? No, I, I, I listen. I think you know, like Eddie Hearn said today, he's going to establish a jab and try to keep music on the outside. He kind of did that. That was the game plan going to Andy Ruiz. So my gut tells me he's going to try to put the same game plan he put on Andy Ruiz's second fight. And like I said in my video, I think the same result would have happened with Joshua and Andy Ruiz. And Andy Ruiz, not when it got fat, and ate a bunch of Snickers, like he stuff admittedly said. Mm-hmm. I think the end result would have been the same. And that's not taking anything away from Joshua's accomplishments. I just think that with with these slick fighters, they they know that all I gotta do is get in and get out. That was Usyk's game plan. You saw he got in, landed a bunch of punches. He slipped to the left. He slipped to the right. He got out. And barring uh, barring Joshua going in there and and just what 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 her said today, demolishing uh, Usyk, you know, just landed a power on him, not trying to box him. I don't think that's gonna work either. Because if you don't, if you saw this fight with Usyk, he got rocked a few times. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna him barging in and try to try to impose his size, impose his power on Usyk. It's just gonna open him up to get hit again and get rocked. And Joshua has a, a very iffy chin, a very iffy chin. So I don't know how this is gonna play out for for, for Anthony Joshua. I'm, I'm even gonna go on. I'm even gonna go on that. I'm even gonna say it right now. I think I think he speaks, man. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think he beats a guy like Music. And with that being said, I don't think he beats Fury if they if they ever do fight. And 
And who's to say how Fury and Fury, Fury and uh, Wilder's going to play out? Who's to say how that's going to play out? Yeah. So those are my two cents, brother. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Jacob. Have a good one, man. All right, bro. Talk to you later. All right, peace. Super chat from Chris Singh. He says, cheers. I'll share my thoughts when my call comes up. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Um, I saw Hamed ask in the chat, does Wilder give Usyk a tougher fight than Joshua? No. I think Usyk absolutely dominates Wilder. The only difference is Wilder is very, very aggressive, and he will go after Usyk. So he would have a chance to hurt him. He really, really would. But I just think if... If Usa could stay away from that right hand, um, and I believe he would, I think he'd just out, he'd just box circles around Wilder. And I really think later in the fight, he'd actually go to the body against Wilder, uh, back him up in spots, and land some hard straight lefts right down the middle that would take steam out of Wilder's punches. And I think he'd stop him late. I really, really do. But Wilder would be dangerous up until the last minute of that fight. And he has the mentality, Wilder does, to go for it. You know what I'm saying? All right, back to the phones. A few more calls, guys. Let's rip through these, all right? Let's see. We're going to L.A., baby. 213, what's up? You're on the show. Hey, it's fine. I'm not in L.A. I'm in the U.K., man. Got me up late. <laughs> you st you're still over there? What's up, man? How you doing? How was How was yeah, it, man? I'll back tomorrow. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, uh, tell you, so guys, uh, this is this is Andrew. He went over there to, to the U.K. Um, and he was there at the fight. So he flew from Cali out to London. He was there at the fight. So so talk about your experience, brother. Oh, man. Uh, wonderful hospitality from the hotel to the people. Uh, London's a hell of a city. Hell of a city. Um, the fucking stadium was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, real fight fans there. Everybody there to go see good scrap. I had good seats. Uh, Jimmy Bennett, the broker out here for me. Um, and it was nice to just be around fight fans. Like, yeah, they're rooting for AJ, but they wanted to see a good scrap. And nobody around me thought AJ won the fight. They were straight up like, yep, he needs a knockout. He needs a knockout to win. These are all mostly, it was all British folk. They're like, yeah, he needs a knockout to win. And it's just, it makes you envious to like, damn, this is how they want boxing here. Like, yeah. America, it just makes me more pissed off about like, yeah, Americans fucking entitled. America. The world revolves around them. This world is a global sport now. Boxing has been a global sport the last ten years, but it's it's highlighted more even even there, like how knowledgeable the fight fans are. The Ukrainian delegate was out there deep too. There's a lot of Ukrainians out here for the fight. They traveled well for Usyk, and it was beautiful, brother. It was beautiful. Um, I don't think we'll ever have a fight like that in the states where it's just a bunch of people coming to watch a good fight. It's always, uh, with the exception of Canelo, no American-born fighter is going to draw a crowd like that at all. Yeah, and then a, a positive crowd. Maybe, maybe, maybe Virgil Ortiz, maybe if they promote him right, but no mm. American fighter right now from 22 to 30 can draw sixty to 70,000 people in a stadium. No way. No way. I completely agree. I'm and, sad to say it, but I agree. Um, and it was not, but it was, it was, I recommend it to anybody with the means to experience a super fight out here in the UK. It was beautiful. I was right. You know me, Mike, I've been riding with Usyk since he was at the forum, made yeah. that debut and at the forum, even though a lot of people were booing him. Yep. 
Um, yep. So in regards to what's next for him, I think he takes care of AJ. Um, Fury would be nice. Wilder would be nice. But if he just sticks to being focused and where he's at, where you know he's at, he could dominate the division for the next two, three years. Yeah. All fairness, just like it's, he's in, he's a 50-50 guy, whoever you put him in there with. And it's special. We're seeing a dude that goes on the road. He can compete in any era. And in under 20 fights, is doing this. On the road, fighting the best, not making excuses like the last caller said. He wants to fight. He knows he's going to get paid if, he, if he's in big fights. And with the exception of maybe Virgil Ortiz is the only American fighter I can think of that has that attitude. Just put me in the goddamn ring. Yep. The rest of the stuff, it'll take care of itself. Yep. The rest of these guys, it's going to be sad when Usyk's at the fights and six, when he's 60 and 70 getting all this love and these American fighters that are 50 and 60 that are in their 20s now, like the fans, the fans are going to walk right by them because they're going to remember like, oh, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. No, who's Mike? Who's building a Hall of Fame resume in the American fighter from 22 to 30? That's worthy of the <sighs> Hall of Fame right now. You're a voter, man. That's a good question, dog. Um, Usyk <laughs> just punched his first ballot ticket yesterday. Oh Saturday. shit! Yeah, I, he could retire right now. He's 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 a Hall of Famer. I think he was a Hall of Famer before this fight, but now he's first ballot unanimous. It's, it's not even a question. Not even a question. None of these guys. I don't think Errol Spence is a Hall of Famer. I like Porter. Not, not a Hall of Famer. Danny Garcia, Thurman, Charles. None of these guys are Hall of Famers. They're, none of them, based, yep. based on the criteria, none of these American fighters are Hall of Fame worthy, with the exception of maybe Crawford. Yeah, I think Crawford gets in. I don't know about first ballot, but he would get in right now. Maybe first ballot on a weak year. But uh, I don't think Spence is there quite yet. I don't know who else, man. It, it, it's It's depressing. It really is, man, because if you grew up – I was a child of the 80s, a teen and a young adult in the 90s. And even the early 2000s, man, we had some great American fighters that fought each other and some some great rivalries. And it just kind of disappeared, bro. It just It's just not there. There's the potential. If these dudes, if these young guys fought each other, we could have a renaissance right now, but they're not going to do it. You and I know yeah, they're not going to do gonna it. Fight each other. You could tell already. Yeah. You see it already. They're, when At their age where they are now, Durant, Leonard, Hearns, and Hank, they fought each other already. Delahoy yep. was fighting the Ike Cortez and the Obacars already. Yep. They were they were fighting these dudes. These dudes, Tiafimo Lopez, I feel I'm glad he got his money, whatever. But Virgil Ortiz just took all his thunder. That's who I'm if we can get behind Virgil and Boots, I have hope. Because Virgil's the kind of guy, Virgil and Boots, they just want to fight. I just need to see Virg, Boots fight somebody that's in a legit welterweight. That's that's a legit threat. It's time for him to step up. We saw Virgil step up with uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. His last fight, a couple more fights. I think he'll be ready to take on Crawford or Taylor, whoever. If I Cavaliauskas, someone in the chat said Nonito Donaire. He's a Hall of Famer. I, you, people forget Nonito yeah. Donaire is American. He's first ballot Hall of Famer yeah. in my book. So there you go. Oh no, absolutely. But absolutely. he's but you said absolutely. between twenty. You said between twenty two and thirty. Donaire is in his yeah. What, no, mid- no, is part of the old generation. Right. I don't even like that. He's not right. a modern guy. Right. Agreed. Nonito's from back at what? Nonito's been fighting two decades, right? Yeah. 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 Like these these newer guys, these guys, none of them, none of them. 
And it's just indicative of where American boxing is. American boxing is a fucking toilet. But going here to the UK, it's you could see the sports healthy worldwide. It's thriving. The sport is growing. It's just this one country is a pain in its, its side right now. If America could get a little bit better, the sport would grow even better. I'm with you, man. I completely agree. But I got to get some easy, more calls. See you at the next big fight. What's up? You take it easy. I'll see you at the next big fight. All right, brother. Hey, safe travels back, man. All right? Yep. All right. There he goes, guys. Good stuff, man. That's a report from a man who traveled thousands of miles. A couple of you guys saying Nonito Donaire is Filipino. I get it. He was born in the Philippines. As far as I understand it, he's an American citizen. Uh, so I w- I'll consider him an American fighter. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, correct me. But I believe he's lived in California for so long. I believe he's an American citizen. But good point, and thank you for correcting me. He's not American-born. He was born in the Philippines. So uh, you guys are correct. And uh, to to you know to the conversation I was just having on the phone, um, you guys did correct me on that. So so thank you. All right, uh, a couple more calls, guys. We are we got 15 minutes left because I can't go past two hours. Okay, so let's make sure that we rip through these quick. Okay, we're gonna go down to Miami 305. What's up? You're on the show. I think this is Chris, right? Hey, Mike. It's Chris. Yeah. How you doing, Mike? Good, man. Good. So yeah, I just wanted to to just go over a couple quick points. Um, number one. Kenny Porter, Sean Porter, man, I sat next to Kenny Porter while their fury won. We talked the whole time. We had a great time. They are just such good people. Yes. That like you've said before, and many others, they're just two of the nicest, most genuine people I've ever met in the sport. And awesome I wish beings. him nothing but success. And I hope, yeah, I hope other people take their, uh, their style of fight all comers. Completely agree uh, with you. I, I really, I, I wish we had started to cut you off. Just, I'm going to repeat it. I wish we had more Sean Porters and Kenny Porters in American boxing. I'm going to be selfish as an American. I wish we had more of those guys in American yeah. boxing. We'd be in a better place right now. 100% agree. Um, another note, I would love for someone to do investigative journalism similar to uh, the PEDs on how Al Heyman is able to pay all these fighters while they sit on the sidelines, rarely fight, and don't even get great ratings when they do fight. I would love to know where this money comes from because you see the lifestyles on social media that some of these fighters are living, and I don't see how their ring accomplishments and activity could support that kind of bankroll. And everyone's often said how how takes care of them. So it'd be really I'm in finance. It'd be really interesting to know where and how how that money is generated to keep everyone at bay and doing their one to two fight per year schedule. Well, there's not a whole lot I can say on the record, Chris. I'll just say there are investors. There are people putting up money. Um, Sometimes it's network people. Some, you know, there are different people putting up money to put those events up. And the, the business model there is to get as much money for an event as you can even if that means only, you know, if you're a fighter fighting once, maybe twice a year, you maximize the dollars you can get for that fight. Um, they really don't care about going for the crowd. Some fights they do. Some fights it's about ticket revenue, but 
by and large, they're papering venues. What they're trying to get is money on the TV network side. Um, and, and that comes through a few different ways. Uh, and, and that's how they pay their guys. It's, it's, I don't think it's a, a business model that can be sustained much longer in this changing world of how media works. And they need to update some things because it's really, really hurting American boxing, in my opinion. They're not the only ones. They're not the only ones. But the business model there is really hurting uh, the boxing in America. I 100% agree. And I can guarantee you from the finance standpoint, there's no way for it to be sustainable, uh, like yes. you said. Uh, on another note, Anthony Joshua. I, I like him. I like I like how he likes to fight. I like how he's a competitive athlete. I think his biggest problem as a fighter, I remember when I first went into a boxing gym, it, there was a bunch of kids and they separated us and they said, okay, these are the kids that like to fight too much. And these are the kids that don't want to fight. Uh, that was like day one. And I feel like Anthony Joshua likes the competitiveness. He likes the athleticism. He likes building his body up. He likes working out. He likes all those kind of things. He loves the money. He loves the fame. I just don't think inside him he really likes to fight. I don't know if you get that 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 impression as well, but there's, as you know, when you're when you're fighting, you have to have that edge where you bite down and you you enjoy. Like you said, you wanted to take a shot in the first round. I know what you mean by that, and a lot of people know what you mean by that. I don't feel like Anthony Joshua likes to fight. I, 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 that might be hard for some people to understand what I mean by that. I think he likes the competition. I think he likes testing his skills. I think he likes everything else involved with the fight game and his success. I just don't think he likes to fight. It's a really good point, and it's um... – you know, it's interesting you bring that up. There's there's a difference between natural-born fighters and athletes. And boxers are both, right? But some guys are more naturally-born fighters, and some have to turn themselves into fighters. You know, you look at the two Klitschko brothers. Vitaly was the natural-born fighter. He had that mean streak, that nasty streak in him. And Vladimir was more of a boxer and a sportsman who fought. Um, now, when he got dragged into a fight, against Anthony Joshua, I thought he responded as a fighter, but he had to have somebody pull that out of him. You know, some guys just ooze that shit. And um, so, you know, you brought up my fight. It was interesting. After my fight, my coach, you know, said, I'm really, really proud of you. And he goes, you just proved to me you are a fighter because you went in there, you know, and you took some shots and you tried to take dude's head off and you were mean in there. You pushed dude around, you got nasty. And then everything else that I've been through yeah. outside the ring that I brought in, he goes, you just, you just proved to me. And he's a pro fighter. He's had over 20 pro fights. He said, you're a real fucking fighter. When he said that to me, it meant a lot. So it's, and I'm not comparing myself to the real guys. I'm just saying um, there is, I, I agree with what you're saying. There's a certain element of Joshua that is more sportsman than fighter. Yes, and very well said with the analogy of the Klitschko uh, brothers. I think that was a perfect analogy. And, uh, yeah, and like I agree with you. Like I said in the beginning, you, you showed you have the fighter in you as well as the athlete. And that, that's, what real, that's what's required for greatness in boxing, in my opinion. And uh, all the great fighters had that. Now, Vladimir, he grew into it, and it was pulled out of him, mm -hmm. especially as his career went on, and including his last fight, like you mentioned. 
But yeah, his brother was definitely more the natural fighter who wanted to get in and he wanted to fight. Uh, my my last point that I want to say is I just want to do a shout out and thank you again for turning me on to Jim Boone, the ticket broker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had purchased, uh, I'll be at, uh, at the uh, Wilder Fury 3 fight, awesome. one of the front rows, middle. Yeah, he got me great tickets. I also had bought tickets for Pacquiao Fence from him. And I bought, you know, top three rows, really, you know, pretty pricey tickets. And the minute that fight got changed, Jim refunded my money. Not even an hour later, he refunded my money, which was a lot of money for, I think I was second row center or something for, uh, for Spence Pacquiao. I mean, look, flying out to Vegas from Miami and, and, and being away from my family for the weekend, that, that requires a really special event for me at mm-hmm. this point. And, uh, you know, also the price of those tickets when it was spent versus the substitution obviously would be dramatically different. What a great guy. Refunded my money immediately. Didn't even really have to ask him. Uh, he just said, hey, I'm going to issue you a refund. He texted me. What a great guy. You uh, you brought him to, to, my, uh, to my world by sharing him and interviewing him on your show. And, man, I can't thank you enough. And I cannot say enough. That man deserves the plug. If you ever need tickets. Jim Boone is a great guy to get tickets from. He's straight up, and he, he, he is the perfect person to work with for getting tickets. So thank you again for that, and thanks to Jim Boone. And uh, again, Mike, sorry about your brother, and amazing what you did. And uh, yeah, man, keep it going. Thank you so much, man. Thanks a lot. Have a great night, brother. You too. All right. Good stuff, man. Um, to go from that great call, and I agree with Chris made so many great poignant points. And let me go to this comment from Bane Clandestine. He says, so are we saying Leo Santa Cruz and Mario Barrios are bums now? No American fighter is doing what Gervonta Davis is doing. I'm just going to guess that you just started watching boxing pretty recently. By the way, nobody said Leo Santa Cruz and Mario Barrios are bums. No one's saying that. Um, but that comment? Let's me know that you're pretty new to this sport. Okay. We have five minutes, guys. Five minutes. So if I can get a couple more calls in, we're going to do it. But literally, you got to wrap it up in about 90 seconds. Okay. 401, you're on the show. You got about two minutes. Kill it. Go. Hey, man. I don't take too long. Usually, don't worry. What's up, Mike? What's up, you son? <laughs> hey. I feel good to be right. Make some money. First bet, you know. No, it, it it basically went exactly how I thought it was going to go, honestly. Remember I said late rounds when Joshua gasses, and I said maybe mm-hmm. not a stoppage, but, you know, yeah. And when I, I, I figured if Joshua didn't have the right game plan, which he didn't, that's what happened just because of Usyk's um, mobility and Joshua being too stiff at times. And he had the wrong game plan trying to fight behind a jab, a pretty weak jab at that. He didn't have a power jab at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the jab was inaccurate. And he threw it the same way every time. Dude, he's got to change up the angles, upstairs, downstairs, throw it to the, jab the chest, jab the shoulders, jab the arms. Uh, so, I mean, there's little tweaks he could make, but it was just kind of the same motion over and over. And Usyk, once he timed him in the second half of that fight, he really turned it on. And uh, that was it, man. That was it. Yeah, that's true. Um yeah, and for the rematch, I don't think I think 
I want to say Usyk probably gets a stoppage in a rematch if AJ's plan is to come in bulky and try to steamroll him. Because Usyk took AJ's shot straight, flush, right hands. Even though AJ didn't commit that much, I'll say, there were points where he hit Usyk flush and he didn't really budge at all. So, I don't know. And he's not very, like, light on his feet. So he probably can't even catch Usyk. You know what I mean? Like, he can't cut off the ring enough, mm-hmm. well enough to trap Usyk and, you know, tee off. He'll end up He'll end up trying to punch in combination when he gets close to Usyk. Most likely miss a bunch of punches as long as Usyk's watching out for that uppercut. He'll just gas out like in two rounds. Remember with Klitschko, when he came out guns blazing and literally second half of that round, he was getting wobbled at the end. And you see Usyk's um, his stamina. So in a rematch, if that's AJ's game plan, Usyk by stoppage 100%. All right, you're on the record, man. I mean, I think it's going to happen early next year. You know you're on the record. You got anything else? 30 seconds. Yep. Hit us up. No, 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 I'm all good, man. I'll call it on Friday. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Stay safe, man. Have a good night. You too. All right, we're going to get one more call, and you got literally two minutes, and then that's it. Everyone else, we got a bunch of calls still on hold. You guys, that's it. 631, you're on the show. I think this is Keith. You've got 120 seconds. Go. Hey, Mike. Okay, real quick. I uh, didn't get to tell it tell you on the phone, so congratulations again on your win a couple weeks ago. Oh, thank you. Um, your brother would be very proud of you. Thank Great you. jab. And some of the heavyweights can, uh, can learn from your jab. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Uh, no problem. Um, yeah, so my reaction to the fight was I, I, was, I favored Joshua just because he's an establishment fighter. I figured if he could keep the fight close, you might see some funny business, either a draw or Right. like a majority decision, but i um, kind of surprised that they didn't do that. Maybe just because of all the criticism of the coming just with the WBA and just recent history. So it's actually good. And I went to fight as I'm a, I'm a Joshua fan. As I, you probably saw in the comments, I like Lucic as well too. They're both kind of the good guys of the sport in the sense where they'll fight anyone. And they just have, they just seem like they're good overall ambassadors for the sport in comparison to like a is Okay. Wilder, not so much. Um, so I was kind of, you know, I, I personally, I think that moving forward, if I favor Usyk again to win, I still think Josh has room to improve from just more of a mental standpoint. If Usyk takes one of the rematch, he's more likely to really, really push for for undisputed heavyweight champion. Uh, Joshua, I know he he wants to fight, but you have the politics, you have matching, there's a lot of money. There's just going to be more politics involved. Or Usyk is just the kind of guy who doesn't give a shit. He just wants to fight. And he'll do it. Um, he'll fight whoever, Fury or Wilder. I don't think he cares. And I think he'll probably he'll beat Wilder as long as he doesn't get caught. Uh, Fury, that's a that's a tough fight for him. But at the same time, Fury hasn't fought anyone with with uh, Usyk's pedigree since since Klitschko, if not even before that. So I think Usyk's still a tough shot, tough tough challenge for Fury too. Agreed, man. I don't know what your thoughts on that. I completely agree with you. And then, uh, uh, real quick, you got ten seconds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, I think uh, Canelo 10 8 right now already. And I think he obliterates Plant when they fight. <laughs> I well, agree so, on that. After uh, the press conference. All right. Thanks a lot, yep. Keith. Appreciate right, it. Well, thank you. Yep. All right. Have I'll a good one, man. Have a good one. I apologize to all you guys on hold, man. We got to wrap it at two hours. Um, but man, what a great show with a lot of calls. Hey, man, call in Friday on my channel, okay? And um, we'll keep the conversation going over there. All right, guys, I love you, and I'll see you at the fights. Have a great week.